Hey, and welcome to another episode of Future Chat. We are here, joined once again by Nick Maddox. Nick, are you able to divulge any information about your whereabouts last week? No. <laughs> okay, fair right. I didn't actually level. I didn't actually listen, so I don't know if there was a joke running. No, we just about that. We didn't give any information, so people are left on. They're tantalized. Oh, I was. Readers of my blog will know what I'm talking about when I said I visited the Mid-Canada Corridor. <laughs> and for everyone else? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I visited the Mid-Canada Corridor. Look it up. Okay, fair enough. I, does that relate to your follow-up here about tech misadventures, or is that a totally separate story? Totally separate story. Okay, I'm disappointed. What uh, what misadventures did you have this week? Um, well, I woke up a couple days ago. And you know that little lock picture that Google will pop up with on your phone every so often? Yeah. No. Got one of those that said, someone has your password. And I I looked at it and there was a login attempt from Vietnam. And I was like, yep, that definitely wasn't me. Huh. Really glad you stopped that, Google. That's good. So password has been changed. That's a good thing. And you had two-factor or whatever the second device like phone authentication on? I guess I did. So when you sign into a new Google service, do you have to go to your phone and agree to sign in or continue signing in? I want to say sometimes. Okay. Let me let me clarify here because it sounds like, Nick, you don't. <laughs> it does sound like you don't. but cause, Because for me, my, hey, someone signed in from a new device doesn't come on until I do that second factor authent. Because okay. the first time it says, hey, we're sending you a code. Mm-hmm. But that they don't consider that a login attempt. Right. So I don't think you have two factors set up. I mean, it's, I, I, I want to say it's that. not objectively bad, but it is. Okay. It's you, pretty you bad. Probably should have, you probably should have two factor. Um, actually, I'm this kind of leads to an interesting. Right now. Now that I know what that is, that, that, that is what your tech misadventure was. Um, not only do they have, you can get like SMS two factor, which is fine, but not great. Um, you can also get, you can use like an app like Google Authenticator that generates the codes, but they also have built into both Android and iOS because I know I, because I have both turned on, they can actually send you alerts directly through the Google, I don't know exactly how it works on Android, but the Google app, the Google search app on iOS will actually send you those alerts and it'll just give you a pop-up, say trying to sign in, and then you open it, unlock your mm-hmm. phone, and then click yes or no. Oh, cool. It's uh, It's been quite handy, I must say. So on the topic of SMS versus other forms of second factor, mm. I've always chosen for SMS only because I may not always be in an area where I have data. So I want to not have that be a restriction on being able to log in somewhere. Right. Oh, man, you, you can just set up a Google prompt. Yeah. That's great. I'm going to do that. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> that being said, Mike... I'm not always in an area where I have my SMS on. So. I guess I'm more likely to have SMS than yeah, like yeah. if I don't have data, I'll probably still have SMS. At least it's kind of like the last thing to go. But right. yeah, I know what you're saying mm-hmm. too. And yeah. to be fair, places where I'm going to be logging into a new Google service, I'll probably have both. But yeah, it's... Well, I don't know about that. Can you think of an example of somewhere where you wouldn't have both? I can think of an example where I'd only have SMS. What's that? Any place... What if I'm if I'm traveling and I don't want to have data while roaming, but I'm logging in at a friend's house mm-hmm. in France? Okay, we're going out then, on a limb here, but that's fine. 
then I, I might still have SMS, like be able to receive SMS. Okay. Without having to do any further steps of enabling data. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. <sighs> I, I almost want to say if I will allow your argument, if you can name any friend you have in France, <laughs> but that's fine. Thanks. I'm glad this misadventure turned into a, uh, a learning for Nick yeah, and being yeah, able yeah. to turn on two factor. So, yeah, I'm doing like my second factor right now. Wow. Did you not do like the Google security check back when they were giving away free drive storage? I did. And I don't understand why I wouldn't turn on two factor security. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. Um, <clears throat> okay. So we'll let Nick finish setting up his two factor. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys cause I, this show might not be, we have a bunch of old stories that we didn't get to last week. They're not old, but relatively old. And I have been only paying attention to politics in the last week. And it brought up a couple of things for me that skew to the kind of science and tech relation, but aren't directly that kind of news. And We've been hearing a ton. I don't want to get. I don't want to get political. I think everyone. Listening, you do though. No, I don't. I real not in this. Like <laughs> I do want to get political in general, but not in this particular discussion. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of conversation about politics in North America, but probably most of the world too, in the last couple of months. And how America centrist have you, Rob? Yeah, it's, well, <laughs> the world is America centric. I apologize. Um, there's been a lot of talk about disinformation and fake news. And we can, we can include that in the conversation as well, but that's not really what I wanted to talk about um, because fake news as we know it today is a very specific thing and everyone is using that term wrong. Um, but I did want to talk about how both sides politically can skew an argument and examples of that that I've noticed in the last, even in the last couple of days since the most recent American presidential inauguration. So... The first thing that is, this is going to relate to a lot of articles I saw posted that are just uninformed at worst. And, uh, I guess specifically like almost menacing at worst. So the first one I want to talk about is a bunch of articles that were posted about how the Trump administration took down pages about civil rights, uh, LGBTQ rights and, uh, climate change. There were a bunch of stories about how. <clears throat> all of these policy pages got taken down like from the .gov site yeah from whitehouse.gov okay and about how that was a really bad sign for um for politics and for those issues in general and though i don't disagree that this administration might have some bad things in mind for those specific issues or, or dismantling the work that had been done in the past the fact that the website switched over to a completely new website means that all the pages that were on the website are now gone. Like the, those links have broken and it's not because this new administration did that. It's because they switched to a completely different website for the new administration that happens every four years with this website. And like each administration sets up their own whitehouse.gov website the way they want. So, so Rob, yeah. to, to be fair, they didn't say the other pages also weren't taken down. What do you mean? They weren't they weren't wrong in their original story saying those pages right, were but taken it's a down. Stupid non-story. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, guys. I have two factor completely set up. Good. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Really appreciate that. For for anyone who has ever been a webmaster or worked on any kind of website, they will have looked at the story the way I did and been like, 
uh, this is how every website in the history of time has worked. You, unless the tr- the administration specifically took steps to make sure that every new page was exactly the same as every old page, which they would never, there's no reason for them to do that, then this is going to happen. There are going to be broken links. It's it's not good practices by the web, but it doesn't have to be. That's not what this website is for. Um, what what should have been happening and what did I see, I did see a little bit is that there was a number of tr- articles about the troubling policies that they did put up, the new pages that they put up. And that's the kind of thing that people should be paying attention to, not the fact that the specific Obama climate change page disappeared. It's the new climate change page that Trump put up that talks about disa- dis, uh, like backing out of the like the climate agreements that they had made. That's the troubling part. And I just saw a lot of... It, I, want, I almost do want to call it disinformation because it's not... It's not accurate uh the second thing that i saw there was a a bunch of things about the crowd sizes that at the inauguration and people i i saw like one picture specifically looked taken from almost the exact same angle looking at the entire kind of national mall area and everyone saying that uh, obama's crowds were way bigger than the ones this year the ones specifically back in 2009 when he was first elected and as soon as i saw that very first picture comparing those two I was like, wow, those that is a big difference in crowds. I wonder if they were taken at the same relative time, like during the actual speech part. Mm-hmm. And or like if this was a live photo, if that was a couple hours before, it's really unclear. And I never really got a satisfying answer. I know there were some mm-hmm. pictures taken from from behind the inaugural, like l- looking the other direction. And it looks like it's kind of more full, but you can also still see white spaces. I don't know if you guys actually saw the same pictures, the pictures I'm referring to, but I'll, I'll yeah. find links to these things and put them in. It's just... I, I do. I did see those. Yeah. I will also tell you that um, having been on the ground for political events, mm-hmm. pictures are a very gameable thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> and so I'm not saying that these things are inaccurate. I'm saying that I just want to make sure if we're going to be saying like facts are important, we need to tell the truth. I want to make sure that the images on quote-unquote my political side aren't also being gamed in that way because they are extremely gameable all you have to do is take a picture a couple hours before the event starts and you'll get half crowds i for one am looking forward to the next four years of everything trump does being compared to obama (laughs) compared negatively (laughs) like like why should i care how many people showed up to the inauguration right it's true. I, I'm not. I like. I, I'm honestly asking. Like, is is this something I can understand misinformation in science or medicine or mm-hmm. whatever? But like, who actually cares? I agree. Like, is people. like a. People you're not going to change anyone's That's mind by saying people aren't going to have their minds changed by saying, "Wow, a lot of people showed up. Maybe Trump isn't so bad after all." They're still going to have the same opinion right. of him, it's true. good or bad. So it's like it's just each side trying to prove their point one way or the other right i don't it's mostly that's just politics in a nutshell it mostly matters because to me anyways my view of it is it mostly matters because he takes any attack any slight attack very very personally and of course Mm -hmm. his press secretary was going to like lash out at reporters talking about it slams his he slams his small small fists on the table (laughs) yeah (laughs) rules with a tiny iron (laughs) fist (laughs) <laughs> like didn't we have 
one of the senators not attend the inauguration several congress people didn't attend okay yeah so it's like that on its own should be enough to say how people are approaching this administration yeah so like i don't know yeah to to me this there is no story right because exactly there's no story it's yeah yeah and i get that you have to write something but yeah there are a lot of better stories there is also um speaking of crowd sizes there were also a bunch of marches yesterday across the world but specifically in a lot of u.s states and apparently this is like actual there there is actual crowd counting science taken like using aerial photography you can actually get try to get as accurate a gauge as possible on how many people are in a certain crowded area and they apparently something like between three and four million people in the u.s were marching yesterday which is about one percent of the population which just is that's insane to me that one in every hundred people was marching in whatever city they happened to be in and it didn't seem to have a lot of kind of political slant like heavily republican cities still had marches Mm -hmm. which i thought was really great uh the last thing that i i just wanted to quickly mention is uh there was talk about how the the potus the potus uh twitter handle was going to be swapped to the new administration and it wasn't cl- they they tried to describe exactly how it was going the transfer was going to happen and how you would stay following the account if you were following it but if you weren't following it you wouldn't be like there would be no kind of weird business going on and i'm not sure because i didn't i guess i didn't read very closely to know whether the plan all along was to have obama's tweets archived in a separate account that was why there was going to be any weirdness at all is because now his all the archive of everything he wrote during the or his i guess his uh, representatives wrote during the administration are now saved under potus 44 and so they moved that entire twitter archive to that handle and then started fresh with the, the regular potus handle and they actually did the same thing with the first lady so flotus is the the acronym for that and so now michelle obama's tweets are all at flotus 44 and it was handled it was handled very weirdly basically what they did was they, is she actually the fir- the 44th flotus yeah i know she's the wife of the 44th they always the, the tradition they has always... been to pick w- one even if the person is married or is oh, not okay. married or is widowed they okay. they always pick a first lady oh, okay interesting um so i wonder when the first man's gonna be <laughs> yeah I, I know I, I, no i'm actually serious I, I'm, I know. I'm not even i'm not joking that that'd be yeah. kind of cool yeah um, but so, so basically what they did was they, they made that transfer and then they had a script. Um, basically it was slightly behind the actual transfer, but it was doing all the actions that were being done. So the POTUS account was getting new followers that had been following the old one, but it was happening over the course of the day. And if you unfollowed that account, it wouldn't necessarily take effect right away because it was still running through the old script. So there was a whole bunch of stories about how, oh, I can't believe I unfollowed uh, POTUS and then it automatically refollowed me to the new account. Or or I was following POTUS 44, but I and I don't want to follow POTUS. And there was a whole bunch of things about how this was. And I just thought, think like, let these things th- sort themselves out. The whole point of journalism is like, go talk to someone at Twitter. You have press contacts. And sure enough, a couple hours after these stories were all posted, uh, Jack Dorsey, I guess the CEO, I'm, I feel like it's Jack Dorsey because I know his Twitter handle is Jack. Um, he came out and said, yeah, there's a script that he explained this, there's a script running 
it'll go through everything that's been happening and at the end everything that you've done should be up to date and if it if something is weird it's just a bug in the system because obviously they've never had to do this before this is the first administration to have an official like to have the official twitter mm-hmm. potus account and so there's going to be glitches and stuff but i as far as i know everything worked out exactly the way it was supposed to so just to rewind back so they instead of renaming potus and creating a second new potus account for people to follow mm-hmm. they're doing a bunch of transferring and archi- well, not archiving but just transferring of info from the one account to the other yeah. So now people who were following Obama POTUS is now also subscribed to POTUS 44? No, I don't think they're also subscribed to POTUS 44 because as far as I know, that's an archival record. So they're not, I mean, you could follow it. There's nothing stopping oh, you. Oh, it's not an active account. But it's not an active like, account. Obama's not going to keep using it. Right. Oh. He's, he's still got his Barack Obama. But that was that's like oh, the okay. 44th president's Twitter archive. Same with, same with oh, FLOTUS. Okay. And so the, the followers all got moved to the new account, mm. but it's because they had to, they basically deleted the account, started fresh. Right. There, there was also a big story, actually, now that we're talking about the, that new POTUS account, um, there's a story about how the header image that they used for that account was actually from the 2009 inauguration. And it's just like a stock photo, which who cares if he used the stock? He's not saying that it, was from this year's inauguration it's just a patriotic picture of the capital like i thought there's a there's a lot of stories wanting to make out him and this administration being like bad people but there's lots of examples of that in real life you don't need to manufacture these like using stock photos or potentially manipulating crowd sizes i'm i'm not again i'm not really sure about that one but it struck me as weird that it it is so easy to manipulate but anyways yeah i'd yeah. It's almost it's almost insulting to governments that actually do like active propaganda. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's like it's like call propaganda when it's propaganda and when it's actually malicious and there's actually something there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, don't try to make something out of nothing. Right. And that's that's a lot of what struck me as this. I I I don't want to be I am very biased, but I like to think that I am being kind of at least aware of my biases and trying to make sure that I'm applying the same standards to both groups. Like I'm applying the same kind of integrity standards that I am for journalists as I am for the administration. Yeah. And I know how easy it is to manipulate things and the things that they're saying are being manipulated. Aren't the same things that are actually, I think being manipulated, not to say there's nothing going on, but yeah, it's it. There's a lot of money in writing stories that are anti Trump right now. Well, it's, it's no different than if you're watching Fox or just talking about Fox and saying, well, look how biased it is, look how whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, well, CNN's the same. And you can't turn around and be like, well, no, they're not. It's like, well, they are, just the other way. Like, Yeah. Actually, how, in all seriousness, what? have you sat down and watched like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News in the States? Not for MSNBC, long Yeah, MSNBC, I find hard to watch their clips. I, wa- I, I had... A tremendous amount of difficulty trying to watch the news while I was in the States the last time. Hmm. Just like I, I had the television on and I was like, this is all terrible. <laughs> I really miss the CBC right now. <laughs> yeah. To, to be fair, Fox News was is now being accused of a lot of the same things that CNN is accused of in regards to like not. I, I know there are still some people, a lot of people in Fox News payroll that are very Republican, but there's a lot of people that are kind of questioning now as well. 
But that's all I want to say about politics. I hope that didn't come off as as biased, other than the fact that I am implicitly biased. <laughs> no, I think you're explicitly biased mm-hmm. now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things actually that I really loved about The Daily Show before it before Jon Stewart left it is the fact that he he attacked both sides, like he attacked Republicans and Democrats with equal kind of ferocity. And but he also attacked the media. And I don't really see a lot of people attacking the media in the same way. And I'm not really sure why that is. But I'm curious. I'm I'm interested to see how that happens, because that's going to be important, I feel in the next four years. Yeah. It's because it's easier to attack the other side than to hold your own side accountable. Yeah. I think. I'd agree with that. It's hard to accurately and actively hold people accountable in general, but yeah, if it's people on your own side to actually call them out and (laughs) you're probably not helping your own cause, which people are not going to want to do. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that CNN is fake news. And it's terrifying that I hear regular people saying that like if if i hear someone who has never really read or heard of buzzfeed hearing them people say the buzzfeed is fake news uh no it isn't and <laughs> just because someone said it doesn't mean you have to listen to them but there's no there's nobody actively saying that it's not except snarky journalists on twitter is is auto what fake news uh no even though they keegan did say that in the last episode we aim for satire we do not aim for fake news <laughs> <laughs> i don't do you actually aim for satire yes we don't i'm not we don't sure always there's a it. whole lot of satire in it it used to be more satire now i think it's just more like silly like made up news is different than fake news fake news has an agenda and we do not have an agenda <laughs> fake news has an agenda fake news definitely has an agenda okay i think we might need some nomenclature here I'm also looking up actual numbers on attendance yesterday. Mm. They're not great. And? Well, it it appears that they were definitely lying about attendance numbers yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And I genuinely find it concerning that you would pick something so trivial to, like, aggressively lie about. Yeah. The, um, I saw a picture this morning when I woke up about at the Dallas Stars game last night. They announced the attendance attendance at the game was 1.5 million people. <laughs> I saw that and I loved it. Yeah. So so we can move on. But yeah, Nick, I completely agree with you that it is disconcerting that they chose such a weird and non-important thing to, to lie so blatantly about. So Mike. That's my two cents anyway. Mike, you have the only new story in here. So why don't we talk, mm-hmm. and actually, Nick, I'm sure will love this, because it's talking about coal. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if he'll love it after we actually talk about it. <laughs> Maybe not. The, uh, I guess Ontario had an initiative at whatever point that they started to shut down the coal power plants. They sure not, did. It not was dis- a big deal. Not dissimilar to what Alberta's moving towards. Um, I don't know if there's any official movement, but at least it's been talked about of... Uh, moving away from coal and onto natural gas for for Alberta, and uh, I guess they did a they did a study. It was a uh, Fraser Institute study, and I think we've talked about Fraser Institute either on this show or East Meets West. I think East, so. East East Meets yeah, West. We definitely. And have. Uh, I, I can't remember if we decided they were biased or not, but they are definitely biased. Okay, but you can usually trust their numbers. This this CBC article 
paints them as a non-partisan. So. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that's not the story here. The story here is that they they ran some numbers and decided that uh, the money the money put into replacing the coal plants with the uh, alternative power generation was not uh, seen as a return on reduction in pollution because just they did the before and after type measurements of particulates in the air Mm -hmm. and uh, it was statistically negligible, the reduction. Hmm. And they they actually went as far as saying that it would have been more cost effective and more effective in general to retrofit the coal plants with the, uh, I can't remember what they called them, with like filter. Scrubbers. Scrubbers, Scrubbers. yeah, that's the word. Um, But you're also getting into coulda, shoulda, woulda then. Right. Sure. But it's it's the kind of thing where, uh, when, but I'm sure scrubbers were part of the discussion about saying, well, what can we do about this, right? And I guess if. they they went to uh, the extent of replacing the plants altogether. And according to this study, it, it wasn't worth it. Is and, there a link to the actual paper? Yeah. If you just Google like Ontario coal plant. I'm going to go Fraser reduction. Institute yeah. coal and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, the, the the story here is just that didn't cut the air pollution. And it's a part of a bigger discussion, I think, talking about pollution and what we do to reduce it. Because I know with like the climate agreements that, uh, I don't know if it was, was it the United Nations climate agreement? Um, which was which was France? Was that UN? Or is that G8? I think like that was the UN. the Paris Accord? Yeah, yeah the Paris. Was That's- that the... Is that that's just... nothing. That's a bunch of people coming together okay. in Paris. <laughs> okay. I thought it was UN that kind of sanctioned it or whatever. Anyway, those types of agreements, like, do you have a bunch of countries coming together saying, yeah, we'll reduce redu- reduce pollution by 50%, but they're only making up 0.5% of the world's pollution already. Right. So the, even if you reduce that by 50%, you're not taking a chunk out of the overall pollution. The same with this, like, your coal might be contributing x percent of particulates in the air but taking out 100 percent of that coal is still not going to have much of a dent in the overall pollution so i don't know if those numbers were kind of looked at initially right but though that's the kind of consideration you need when you're looking at investing that kind of money into reducing pollution mm-hmm. um uh, nick you seem to have a bit more familiarity with this whole issue I'm, do you do want to i'm reading the, the report here Okay, because I know you you said that replacing the coal plants was a big deal, so I I wasn't yeah, even. Yeah, it was. It was well. It was that was when I had really started paying attention to politics. So I took okay. a civics class, and I was like, "Oh, this is how everything works." <laughs> I'm gonna read more about this. Um. Yeah. But yeah. It was. It was one of the keystones of I think it was Dalton McGinney's first or second terms. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a big deal. They looked at the amount of energy coming from coal plants and said we could probably replace most of this capacity with uh, just conservation efforts. And so there was a lot of work done around... Like just not using as much power, you mean? Yeah, like there were rebates for energy-efficient appliances, which my parents were cheesed about because they bought an (laughs) energy-efficient furnace like a year before the rebates Mm. kicked in. Hmm. And there was... There's the whole fridge thing where you could just like people would come and pick up your fridge and get rid of it for free if it was an old one, just because old fridges are not 
nearly as mm. energy efficient. Right. This um this report seems to be talking about, and this isn't like I'm I don't have any acute awareness of this like historic phasing out, but it seems like they're talking about the the effects comparing like before this changeover was made, it was coal fired plants they're talking about, but now they're natural gas, and that's the comparison they're making. Yeah. So it seems well, is it strictly natural gas or just non-coal? Like, I you know Ontario's big on, like, hydroelectric and nuclear and... Right. It, yeah, I agree. But they're saying that, um, like, specifically one of the things they looked at was ozone levels. And they said the ozone reductions from phasing out coal were offset by increases attributable to natural gas usage. Mm-hmm. So it seems like why... If you're going to change from coal to natural gas, I agree. That's yeah. not going to change the environmental effect okay. that much. Well, this the, this story that the CBC wrote focused on particulates, yeah. which I agree, coal is what's going to give those particulates. Anything else, unless it's wood, isn't going to give off particulates when you make energy out of it. Right. So, quote, we find the elimination of coal with, was associated with a reduction in average urban PM 2.5, which is particulate matter smaller than 2.5 microns. Urban PM 2.5 levels by about 1 to 2 milligrams per per cubic meter, about a 6 to 12% reduction from the peak levels, or about 6 to 12% from the peak levels, but the effect was not statistically significant in Toronto or Hamilton. We find no evidence that the coal phase out reduced NOx levels, which is fine, which were instead strongly affected by reduction in U.S. NOx emissions. We find a statistically significant reduction in peak ozone levels with coal Mm -hmm. phase out. You just talked about that. So, like, there was an average reduction of 6 to 12% from the peak levels in the average urban level, yeah. but not in Toronto and, or Hamilton, which is not at all surprising no. because I, the bulk of particulate emission in Toronto and Hamilton is probably going to be from driving right. because it's such a, a car-centric city. Mm-hmm. There's no coal plants so, in Toronto or Hamilton. Yeah, so you knocked out, you know, around 10%. Or what's the middle of that range? Six, nine, nine percent of <laughs> particulate matter. Six plus twelve divided by two. Yeah, so it was around yeah. ten. <laughs> plus or minus one. You knock. A, <laughs> you knock it. Yeah, it's around exactly. ten minus one. <laughs> just assume. Just assume plus or minus. Uh, plus or minus one point one repeating percent. Yep. Whenever I talk, yep. okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I. So Kay. you knock out that much particulate matter. For the average of Canada, or on Can- the, average of, the average of Ontario, I think that's a significant benefit. Yeah. Well, but six- they're like, well, yeah, but in big cities, it's like, no, it's <laughs> right. not. Oh, yeah. So, like, 6 to 12% from peak, I like, what about, like, basal average? Yeah. I don't know, because yeah. they are not providing, oh, wait, <laughs> oh, there's the full report. I, I put a link to the full report. <laughs> also... Is the picture they use for the full report not a nuclear plant? <laughs> I really... <laughs> it's like well, Googling... No. Googling power plants. Uh, was I with you? Was it on the show that we talked about the bubbles? <laughs> this is a bubble nuclear... Oh, I guess the I guess the reflection in the water makes it clear it's nuclear. No, like the, the cooling towers Right, but they're, they show. they're puzzle pieces that are missing. Yeah, but aren't the shape of those cooling towers... No, that's... Yeah, they, they definitely are nuclear. I'm... In the reflection of the water, you can tell that they're cooling stacks, but um, yeah, they're <laughs> they're very creatively Institute, edited it out. Together. So it, is it like taking out coal and replacing with nuclear? No. 
No. Um, because no additional nuclear capacity has been added since, what, 70s? I mean, like, what's that picture trying to imply? It's I'm just trying to interpret what they're doing. Is it like, a lie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, anyway. I'm sure that Toronto City Centre isn't that close to the nuclear plant also. Anyways, is that true, Nick, or am I... Sorry, what? Like, you can see the back- the glowing background of Toronto in that picture, which I assume is not that close to the nuclear power station. Um, I don't... Well... I don't know where you'd get that particular photo angle from the nearest nuclear plant, but it is pretty close. Okay. Is the CN Tower like three times taller than any building in Toronto also? Cause Rob, do you even, have you even been to Toronto? I have, but I don't, <laughs> I don't remember it being three times taller. Just Google Toronto skyline. Can't you just tell me? <laughs> no, because I don't know the Toronto skyline okay. off by heart. I would estimate like three times sounds pretty conservative. Uh, I'm going to Google tallest buildings in Toronto. <clears throat> Toronto. Toronto. I'm Googling the buildings in Toronto. Okay, so right off the bat, this paper or report, I guess, paints a pretty bleak look outlook for how the coal phase out's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they start by having like a column chart of PM 2.5 emission sources and coal isn't even its own category. Interesting. Um, yeah, and then it just goes downhill from there. So yeah, this picture is yeah, misleading. Like, just for the record, what's misleading? <laughs> the picture. The tallest building is over half of the height of the CN Tower. Consider this picture. Oh, are we talking about the Toronto skyline <laughs> yeah. picture? Yeah. <laughs> also consider um, <laughs> the slope of Toronto. Yeah. I don't actually know, like how tall the buildings are because i haven't looked that up mm-hmm. but toronto slopes down towards the sure lake basically the cn tower is not three times taller yeah. than the tallest second tallest building is what you're trying to yeah. say i apologize <laughs> i mean you didn't do anything wrong on behalf of the fraser institute <laughs> i apologize there yeah like like we argued just earlier this episode there are much more important things that we should be talking about <laughs> So, tower. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Anyway, po- point of all this is emission reduction initiatives are great, but you got to weigh the benefits, maybe. Yeah. Seems that uh, way. That was also around the time of an inconvenient truth, and people were pretty hot to trot to cut down on CO2 emissions, mm-hmm. and mission accomplished. This isn't even about CO2 emissions, though. No, that was a lot of the public sentiment around it. Oh, okay. Hmm. Like, it sounds like the financial justification was poor, but I know a lot of people were upset about CO2 emissions at the time because the economy was still good. So we cared about things like carbon emissions. Right. Sure. So anything more on this story? I'm pretty sure I'm pretty biased about it. (laughs) I think we covered it fairly. Yeah. Rob, I want to hear about my appendix. Yeah. I do. Yeah, this is uh this is an interesting story that I that I saw earlier this year. <clears throat> and it always strikes me that we we do medical research as a as a society and then years or decades or centuries later suddenly everything changes and really it's just been like people make these outrageous claims when they finish doing some kind of research like people look at the appendix and go, "Oh, it's probably nothing." 
and then that's accepted medical science for years or decades or centuries. There was the same thing. Um, there was some new, quote unquote, new organ discovered in the human body. And I forget what it was called. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. But it basically was in our gut and people thought it was just kind of random tissue that was kind of throughout our kind of internal, like our abdomen. And then this guy did a study and basically found that we should, we should be Western medicine should be considering it one organ. And then people were quick to point out that, yeah, so this, this is a thing like Eastern medicine has been considering it an organ for literally thousands of years. And I'm just like, why are we not all on the same page? Like, why can't the world agree on this stuff? And so I don't, I didn't read any of this, like the history of this to, to know if this is kind of already an accepted thing in other medicines, but basically like my common knowledge growing up was that you had an appendix that was kind of like even the name appendix suggests that it's kind of like an extra thing. And tell that to your, uh, your history problem, yeah. Bob. If, so <laughs> if you get appendicitis, you, they just remove it because it's seen as an extra, like, it's like a, if your tail got infected, they would just remove your tail because you don't need is, it. It was, is or was considered vestigial right? Which like was evolutionary wise, what? the appendix. Well, that's, that's what, I, that's how I had always heard about right. it. But there's now suggestion that at least in this, um, more recent research, um, suggests that it has not only evolved several different times independently through different lineages of animals, but that it basically is a, a storage area for bacteria in the gut. And so it can, it can, like we, we've talked a lot in this, in this uh, show about gut flora and all the bacteria that help our digestive system work. And so the, the research suggests that the appendix is kind of where that stuff can go hang out and kind of be safe from the rest of the body. And I just thought it was super cool because I like the idea of like, we, we talked about poop transplants. I love the idea of that bacteria being stored somewhere like having an actual place in the body where it is from or where it goes to i love it what are your thoughts this this reminds me you guys i don't know if robert you probably listen to reconcilable differences right yep. so it was a guy named marlin merlin merlin he he went on this rant about turns outing yeah <laughs> that's exactly this, how this, this is, strikes me that's what this is yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's like one study that suggest this or adds evidence to it so now you can just be like turns out the appendix isn't useless <laughs> anyway just I, well i never uh, like the more i learn about the world and about biology specifically nothing is as useless as we think it is i don't know if you guys ever feel that way but you always hear about how certain things are useless or are, serve no biological function mm -hmm. but it always seems like that ends up being wrong it's like, it's useless until you need yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, oh. No. Our tailbone? Seems like it's just there to get hurt every once in a while. <laughs> but try living without it. You you wouldn't know what that's like until you did. But at that point, you'd probably be like, man, I wish I had Seems my tailbone. Seems like a pretty needless surgery. <laughs> There's only one way to find out, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the... the, the um, 
the talk about it being a bacterial quote unquote safe house, which is the the term they mention in this article is from a 2007 study. The more recent study looked at evolutionary biology and looked at the, the emergence of an appendix as a biological f- function in different animal species. And that's where they found that it sprung up multiple times. And usually like mm-hmm. the, the eye has evolved multiple times and is seen as a very important evolutionary piece. And so the idea that something would arise through evolution multiple times as far as we know, is an indication that it, it it does serve a useful purpose, and it wouldn't like you wouldn't get a vestigial organ evolving multiple different times in multiple different lineages. Right. Hey Rob, what does raison d'être mean? <laughs> that was flawed <laughs> <Raison> pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> it it roughly translates as reason for being. Why? Reason to because be. it's because it's in this article. <laughs> Just kind of randomly in like the middle of the, the like one of the middle paragraphs. This it says that the this suggests that the organ is retained adaptive purpose, yeah. one that may have emerged as a secondary function once the organ lost its original raison d'être. Yeah, that was a better pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, it it's still not very no, good. No, but it's fine. It's fine for an Englishman. Well, it's fine for an Englishman that knows some Spanish and is trying to transfer that over. Uh, Mike, say say hors d'oeuvre. I want to do a whole episode where Mike just says French idiomatic phrases. I want to do a show where we listen to Mike laugh like this. It's pretty great. No, it's, it's funny because as soon as I said it the first time, I'm like, that was more Spanish than French. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah there there is some stuff in this article talking about at least the last time i read it i remember there being stuff um there is actual research being done in the fact that you could lose some immune function in if you have your appendix removed that hasn't been confirmed by science but it's one of the the theories that would that would lend credence to the idea that it is biologically important and not right. not to say that it'll kill you if you don't have it but like it wouldn't, you wouldn't die if you had your eye removed, but if you suddenly were in the middle of traffic or like we're walking across the street and suddenly a car was coming at you, having an eye would be very helpful in not getting killed. So it's, it is an evolutionary advantage to have, just like it would be an evolutionary advantage to have an appendix if you got sick and it was helpful for that. Right. It, it'd be really hard to like study the effects of having and not having an appendix. Yeah. Like, yeah. Take some twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of those those medical studies that in the 40s and 30s would have been really easy to do, and now all of a sudden it's hard for some reason. <laughs> Just take 100 children in that birth will remove 50 of their appendixes. <sighs> um, you guys also want to talk about the the National Institutes of Health guidelines on peanuts? That. I want to talk about the CN Tower some more. Like, <laughs> I got lost in some Wik- Wikipedia click. Uh, what do you call it? A click hole? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, like, the first Canadian place is over half if you include the antennas, but it's only like 300 meters if you count the actual, like, yeah. building part of the building. Wait, so you're saying there's 250 the, meters of antennas? No, there's. 
It's like 500 and it's counted as 550. Oh, okay, okay. Or 300 and it's counted as 350 because it has huge antennas on the top. Or something. Apparently there's falling ice danger from the CN Tower. I believe that. Yeah, it's way up there and freezing rain in 2007 caused like a bunch of ice to build up and then fall down. Yeah. Happens in Calgary a lot too. Uh, Yeah, it happens. You don't get... I mean, we don't get ice storms like we do out east here, though. True. Hmm. Like, those those can be pretty brutal. Hmm. It's a good thing it has a pretty low terminal velocity. Would it, though? Yeah. I'd imagine. Hmm? If it's that, if it's a big chunk of ice? Well, yeah, depending on how big it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the real danger with ice storms isn't so much ice falling people or ice falling on people. It's that it just destroys things. Right. Because it's so heavy. Like, um... Right. I was there in 20, I think it was late 2013 with my dad when they had an ice storm. And it was like it shut down electricity for large chunks of the city. Yeah. And so there were people in huge condo buildings with just no way to heat them, heat their place. Yeah, that that's crazy. I'm really kind of glad I wasn't here for that. Because I remember hearing about it as a kid in Alberta, hearing about the, the massive ice storm. Oh, that was that, that was, was another Co- one. That was the Quebec one, wasn't it? Ontario was it also was, hit. It was Quebec and Eastern yeah. Ontario. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was. It was bad. My aunt didn't have. I don't think she had power for like a couple weeks. <laughs> and like there wasn't a stable food supply either, right? Because like all the all the food in the grocery stores spoiled. As it would, yeah. That's it's scary to yeah. think about because we have like. Grocery stores get shipments of food very often. That's how they stay stocked. It's not because they have this massive stock of food just in the back somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, like it was it it was pretty bad. Yeah. The other the other interesting fact she said was like you walked out and it was so quiet because nothing was like none of the usual buzz of a city was going on. Right. Mm. So you you just heard, well, that was like Toronto too, like a lot of the normal buzz of the city was gone. You just heard like clattering sounds every so often. It's like hmm. pieces of ice broke off or pieces of trees broke off. Yeah. That's how it was in Calgary after the flood. Like when downtown was still shut down. Right. Yeah. And like people were evacuated. And I was, At first power. I was like, you could hear ice clattering place. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, you know, I remember, I remember leaving the morning that we were evacuated and just being shocked at the sheer amount of nothing that was going on. Right. Yeah. I also profoundly remember this guy coming out of coming out of his building, hopping on a bike and riding away and going, wow, that is such a useful piece, piece of technology in this situation. Is this in the flood or in the ice storm? The flood. Okay. Again, because it just seems very slippery if it was the ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, stop, get out your bike tire chains. Yep. I guess. <laughs> it would work. Did do, do those fat tires stick to ice okay-ish? Uh, they're more designed for snow and yeah. sand. There's a surprising number of people with those in Ottawa. Just going throughout the... Well, not throughout the year, but in the winter, biking be, with the help of it. You have yeah. to change out the forks when you use those, right? I think most uh, people here no. just have a different bike. Yeah, like oh, they're, really? they're actually bikes designed for those tires. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Any after show business to speak of? I think that was the after show. Was it? My Go Plus is still not working and I'm getting nothing done. 
That's unfortunate. Shouldn't you be getting more things done <laughs> if the Go Plus is not working? Nothing Pokemon related is getting done. <laughs> that I'm that pretty week, upset about it. the week I didn't have my Plus when it was getting repaired slash replaced was my most productive week at work. That's good. In a while. <laughs> I will say, before we go, um, the new website is coming along dashingly. Yesterday, like literally just before we decided to go to bed, I finally got the front page working the way I want. I'm telling people, I'm talking about this like crazy because the more I talk about it, the more people will know and the faster I have to get it done. Except people don't know what PHP is. So, well, it doesn't I mean, matter we do, if people know what PHP is. I just want to. I don't know what PHP is. It's a programming language for the web. I knew that much. Yeah. I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> I don't actually know what it stands for either. I, was I don't know what it stands for either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did. I learned yesterday, I spent pretty much the entire day trying to solve one specific problem, and I finally did, basically by learning a lot about PHP, <laughs> but it's really fun. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. And hopefully, I can launch by March, just because February is going to be super busy. Although, I could theoretically launch, now that I have the front page done, I could theoretically do it uh, as early as next week, but I want it to look pretty. I do, too. Yeah. Me, three. Okay, well, in that case, thanks to everyone for listening to this week's episode of Future Chat. You can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat for past episodes of the show and much more. And we'll see you next week. Ciao. I maxed out my Alakazam now. P.S. I think you're going to find what that waste of time. <clears throat> Confusion and what? Psychic. Mm. Rob, it's for the novelty. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know it's for the novelty. That's what I'm saying. You're going to wish you had that Stardust. Once- once PvP comes out, I think I'll be more excited for Pokemon in general. I the If you can only do local PvP, I'm still going to be annoyed by it. And I think that's all you'll be able to do. Why couldn't you go to a gym, enter the PvP arena, and just do matchups against whoever? Against anybody anywhere? Wait. It's just like, just like any other online gaming matchup like arena. Like, you, you create a room or a battle request mm-hmm. saying so-and-so wants to battle someone and then you go in and accept the battle challenge and the other person has to accept or d- d- decline it or whatever and then you go okay so i have a few questions w- you're saying you'd have to go to a gym in order to battle pvp i think that'd be the most logical way to do it but then you could battle anybody at any gym right second thing that if you if you just have both people are at a gym, they battle each other and they're battling like a, a specter of the opponent's Pokemon, then I think it would work. I don't, yeah. But if you're right. having a, them live battle, the latency is going to be insane on cellular, cellular networks. Right. It's yeah. already bad That's, and think, you're battling a computer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that implementation is going to work. Yeah. Because I was thinking about that too. That you'd have to almost either go to like turn-based battling. Right. Or like... Yeah, how are you gonna have dodging? Yeah, like two people dodging. That's crazy. Because if you're gonna yeah, have turn-based battling, is gonna be just useless with the quick attacks. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to, if you're gonna do PvP locally, like most of these multiplayer games where they're not turn-based, where they're actually live, you have to be within like it creates an ad hoc network, so you'd have to be within thirty feet of each other. Well, the app can just detect who's around and say these are the users who are nearby you. Right. 
And you like make yourself visible, like yeah. similar to Bluetooth, yeah. right? Well, using Bluetooth or using an ad hoc. I Wi-Fi. guess you could just use a Bluetooth. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I don't think it would necessarily work that well. I would rather have basically you meet someone randomly and you battle them. Is that not a thing in mm-hmm. the Pokemon games? It's just a thing with Pokemon? Uh, no, you, you can be connected with like a cable and battle someone. I think that would be the much more useful scenario. Actually, I think now you probably don't even need a cable. But right. Back in my day. <laughs> no, for... <laughs> or wait, it's... I know for... What's it now? Uh, for trading now, it's just yeah. global. Right. You just say what you want to get rid of and what you want to get and that's it. Yeah. Can, yeah. can you farm like... The way spoofers can go and get Dragonites and Snorlaxes and Laprases anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. is that is is there a corollary of that for Pokemon on Game Boy or whatever? I don't... Like being able to spoof? Like being able to just not cheat per se, but being able to like fill out your... Like the reason that trading wouldn't work on Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. is that is there a corollary to that? in regular pokemon or everything you get you have to get honorably like the only way you can level up your pokemon is by battling with them okay at least as far as i know or rare candies i guess but like but which i think is a much better way of doing things but <laughs> but let, let's let's assume that you're having to battle to get build xp yeah. so you're in that sense you're earning it right like in pokemon go you can theoretically go look up where a dragonite has spawned anywhere in the, on earth and go get it if it's yeah sure if it's ha- if it's still spawned yeah. yeah yeah is there a way to do that specifically in p- the pokemon games i found this out on a forum when i was looking it up for something else but i guess in the original games your pokedex you can use to like track pokemon okay which i didn't even realize you could do in gen 2 you could do that to track the legendary dogs but gen 1 i think had it too apparently oh did it I think so. So you could again, like you could just farm Dragonites and then trade them with people. But it, it worked the same way as footsteps. So you had to already be nearby right. it, I think, and then it would tell you how close you are. Well, like ish, it would it would tell you the area that it was in. So like the whatever route or oh okay yeah. So I you'd see. have to walk around within that area to find oh, it. Okay. Because. For me, trading in Pokemon Go is going to be a very bad way to fill your Pokedex. Like, it's going to be too easy. You'll just have people who have, like, I'll just get a thousand Tauroses and then trade them to people who live in other regions. And, like, well, very quickly, we'll all have all, like, we'll all have full Pokedexes. Right, right. So what's the Even if it's, like, trading back. Right. You, like, just trade and then trade back and it's in your Pokedex, yeah. So what's the point? (laughs) It just seems, and maybe well, that, that's fine. Maybe yeah. that's how it, the game should work. But it seems right. odd that they've left it out for so long. It's like Ditto. They made Ditto appear months later, but it was just like as, within a couple of days, everyone had one. Yeah, and I, I wish it wasn't like that. Yeah, I wish it was harder. Especially now that Ditto's I have like a lot 50. easier to get than Dratini. I'll tell you that much. Sorry, what's that? Ditto's a lot easier to get than Dratini. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that's true. Since I haven't had the plus, I've caught two ditto in the wild. Oh, yeah, I've I reviewed my catches for the day when I'm at work and gone, huh? There's dittos. How about that? <laughs> you know what I really want? A function. Tell me what you want? What you really, really want? I want a function in the app that is like, it, you could just have like a Pokemon Go Plus icon, 
and I just press it on the screen when a bunch when I arrive at a place and a, like there's five Pokemon around, I want to just like plus and it throw a Pokeball at one, whichever one it would throw a Pokeball at, and just to be able to do that, so I don't have to sit there and throw one at each one. Right. <laughs> so, so you want to ha- do what the plus does right. for free? No, because it's not about the spending <laughs> money. It's about the time. It's about the amount. Of, like, but that's why you buy a plus is so you don't have to spend the time doing <clears> that. <throat> is that why you have it? That's part of that's part of the benefit of it, yeah. Because for, for me, that would be a very small part of the benefit. I wouldn't necessarily the, want to do that unless there's I'm, times I'll be on a Poke Walk and a Pidgey will pop up on my screen, and I'm like, I don't feel like catching that with my finger. Right. I'm going to click this button. Yeah. And then I'll take my four and ten chance of catching it. Did I tell you I found I finally saw the the yellow light? Oh, did you po- on the Go Plus? Yeah, it was when I was <laughs> catching the Dragonite. Oh, nice. Because it. Yeah, because I still didn't have one, and now I've caught two, and I have ninety dr- or uh, ninety Dratini candy and a nice. Dragonair. So you have a Dragonair? Crossed. I do. I evolved the Dratini I hatched because uh, I figured. Yeah. I figured that I wasn't gonna find another good Dratini before evolving that one. Right. Wait. Sorry. You evolved a Dratini? Oh, into I a Dragonair. I evolved though. a Dragonair. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Why'd yeah. you evolve a Dragonair? For the dex entry? Yeah. Okay. It was also my last egg fest. And <laughs> every egg fest I have lately, it freezes midway. And then I miss out on a bunch of evolutions. So is your Pokedex complete now? Uh, like aside from Gen 2? Well, aside from regional exclusives and legendaries... No, I need... Uh, I don't know why people keep saying that. It's like, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> well, I think it's my my North American Gen 1 is complete. I still yeah. need Togepi and Togetic. Okay. Do you... Wait, but those aren't Gen 1. Didn't you just say right. Gen 1? Yeah, I said Gen 1's complete. I don't have... Oh, so you do have part. all the other babies. North America Gen 1 is complete. Plus Cleffa and Igglybuff and... Allocated and Megby and Smoochum. Pichu. I'm I'm sad that yeah. Rob knows those better than I do. Because <laughs> I have I have most of them now. Yeah, I I have all those, but they're also Gen two, right? Yeah, the yeah. babies. Yeah. So, what were the IVs of the Jatini you evolved? Oh, let's see. It battled with the best of them, so I was just over the moon. Yeah. Praise. You mean best, you didn't rename it with its IVs is, yet? No, I didn't. HP and attack are really strong, impressive. Could be like 14s. I think so. Let me whip out my IV toolkit. <laughs> which app are you using? It's called IV toolkit. Literally. I see. While Nick's doing that, I forgot to mention you guys on the show that I ordered nectar, Soylent nectar. Oh, nice. So I'm eager. I literally did it 15 minutes before we started. So I'm hopefully going to get it yeah. Tuesday or something. Robbie will be happy to know that Emma started calling her drinkable yogurts Soylent. <laughs> yeah. Because Rhea makes her Soylent shakes in the morning. Yeah. So she likes pretending that hers is Soylent too. Nice. But then she was also watching her, it's like the movie Enchanted, mm. where there's like a poison apple. She's like, it's a Soylent apple. <laughs> I'm like, poison apple. <laughs> oh, so, that's great. That was funny too. Oh my God. Nick, if it takes this long to do IVs, why do you ever do them? To know, Rob. Is this is does it do like the arc overlay on that app? Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so Nick's just calculating. Slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also my phone is pretty. It's thirteen eleven thirteen. Oh, okay. Decent. Yeah, it's just barely in the eighties. Right. It's eighty two percent, but I declare it good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw the uh, Google Pixel in person finally at Costco. You hadn't seen it in stores before? I'd never Not been. even at the mall? I hadn't, at like the kiosks? I never go to malls. And I specifically oh. never go to kiosks if I go to malls. Did I tell you Kaya has a Pixel? No. What? When did that happen? Like a while ago. Nick, get a Pixel. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you broke her phone. <laughs> I did. I sure did. Um. No, well, yeah, once I have a spare $700 lying around, <clears throat> totally. Just take one from her. She she just won't notice. Pretend to break <laughs> it. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, no, I guess I'll use this one. Here, See, you go buy a new phone. She'll be thrilled with that. It's, a, it's at that point you appreciate subsidized yeah. phones, right? Yeah. It's true. Except now, kudos going with, like, if you get if you get a really good discount on your phone, you have to get more expensive plans yeah. to pay them off. Yeah. <sighs> I think Fido has that too. Foolishness. No, they probably all do the same thing. Yeah. Because That's yeah. how it goes. That's that's how collusion works. Yep. Well not really, because <laughs> you'd have to actively collude, but But if you notice your competitor yeah. doing something and you do the same thing, that's not collusion. Hey, just heads up. Next week, we're going to raise our prices. Oh! It's collusion. <laughs> yeah, collusion. I like that. It'd be a good title. <laughs>